Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Positively Track is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon, including Jim Stoffel, Joyce Marin, Carl Morris, and associate producer William Smith. Visit patreon.com slash positively track to help support the podcast. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, shout outs, associate producer credits, and more. Thank you for your support and keep trekking. Hey folks, welcome to May. Here is another exciting episode of the Positively Trek podcast. I'm just one of your hosts, Dan Gunther, and with me, as always, is Bruce Gibson. Bruce, how are you doing? Now, we're recording this on May 1st. This comes out on May 4th. So, how's your May going so far in these early hours? Well, may the 4th be with you, Dan. Uh (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering if we were going to address the bantha in the room. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so if you're listening to this the day this episode drops on May 4th, it is Star Wars The Bad Batch premieres on Disney+. Plus. But this is not a Star Wars podcast. But, you know, May's always a busy month for me because it's this coming weekend is an, is my anniversary, is Mother's Day, is my daughter's 17th birthday. My other daughter, I have to move her out of her dormitory and bring her back home from university. It's just oh, wow. all in one weekend. It's kind of funny how May works out like that because for me as well, it's Mother's Day as well as my mom's birthday is this month. So she gets that lovely double gift thing going on and uh, there's so many birthdays among Nikki's family I found out now so it just really all piles up this month so it's it's gonna be a busy one I think of December and May as the busy holiday months for me because not even mm-hmm. just the things I named for this weekend but then what comes in later like especially with kids in school finishing school or graduations and proms and all that we don't have any graduation proms this year but we will next year so yeah a lot of stuff going on yeah, well, we may find that May is really busy, but there are a bunch of people working in Toronto who have gotten a bit of an unexpected vacation in May. Uh, and I, I don't think they really think of it as a vacation because uh, we just learned in the last few days that Star Trek Discovery has had to halt production after an offset COVID contact. Now, the, this hiatus is expected to last two weeks. Hopefully that's uh, that's all it is. But yeah, there was a Zone A individual, that means someone who operates within the primary onset activities, uh, was apparently identified as being possibly exposed to a COVID-positive individual during offset hours. So uh, it's really unfortunate that this is kind of ground production to a halt. We don't know right now if this will mean that it's delayed in its release, which they were aiming for releasing sometime in 2021, the start of season four. But really unfortunate news. But also, again, like we said when we talked about the Strange New Worlds one, kind of fortunate news that the system works and this was kind of caught before it created a bigger problem. Yeah, of course. I mean, I don't work on the show. I wish I did. 
but I don't. And so I don't really know the ins and outs on these things. I wouldn't think this is going to delay any release or or having episodes released and then there's like a, a delay. You have to wait a couple of weeks for the next episode or anything like that because I'm assuming this is just all on set. So post-production is still going on and they're probably be they're probably even working on things for this episode, graphics, you know, the special effects, all that stuff. So I, I think we're okay. But now it's interesting because we talked the other week about an actor who was flying out and they prevented that person from going in. So that didn't affect anything. Now we've had a second person that actually was on the set. I mean, this could happen again. Yeah, this is definitely something that could continue to impact future uh, operations on the production and that sort of thing. And it, it's kind of unfortunate as someone who lives in Canada, I can tell you right now that this country is going through a pretty brutal third wave. So, you know, I, I don't want to make any predictions or anything, but I feel like this could be a fairly common thing to happen. Uh, unfortunately, just given kind of what's going on right now. So uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on this. And it says in this article on TrekCore, and thank you guys at TrekCore.com for your reporting on this, uh, that they're expected to go back uh, on or, or around May 6th. So just a couple days after this episode comes out, they're expected to to be back or turn the lights and phasers back on is how they put it here. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on this and kind of report more as we learn more. And hopefully we don't see a lot of this happening, but I'm a little pessimistic. I know this is positively trick, but <laughs> I'm a little bit wary and, and pessimistic about how things are going right now. I, I... I think we're okay. I think we're okay. And, you know, if they were smart uh, in planning, they may have got, when they eyeing whatever release date they're looking at, maybe they did pad it because they knew that there may be some delays with COVID that may occur. So they planned for that, maybe. I don't mm -hmm. know. But here's the thing. To all you actors on Discovery who are listening to this podcast right now, yeah, I know who you are. There's no excuse not to know your lines. When you go back, you've had two weeks to memorize them. So you're good to go. Absolutely. Yeah. You guys are professionals. Come on. You know this. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But yeah, expecting great things from Discovery Season 4. And I personally am really happy that they are being as cautious as they are, you know, and, and that, you know, they say that this is due to an abundance of caution. So there's there's not a huge risk of kind of contracting it among the the wider production because they're taking these precautions. So I, I'm really glad they're doing that. Yeah, you know, you just said about being season four, and I don't know why, but it just hit me the other day that we're going into season four. I mean, I know we've known this for a while, but it was just one of those things like, wow, I mean, we really are going into a fourth season. We've had Discovery for a while. And the reason it hit me is because, and I'm looking at it right now on my wall, I have a Star Trek Discovery poster. And if anybody's seen me on like the live shows and stuff, you've seen it over my shoulder, but I got it at the red carpet for Discovery. And on the bottom, it has the date of 2017. And I thought... I was just staring at it yesterday and I thought, 2017, has it really been that long since Discovery's been? It doesn't feel like that long to me, but it has been. Yeah, it's crazy. I was looking at some of the memories and stuff and we had him on the show a few weeks ago, Irish Trekkie. I was looking at some of the videos of his that I shared from back in the day. And one of them was, we've got a new Star Trek series coming. Will it have a new Enterprise? Will it have this? Will it have that? We just didn't know. All we knew was there was a new series coming. 
just a few short years ago and yeah season four of star trek discovery the kind of i would say flagship of the new era of star trek that's pretty amazing i'm I'm really happy that it continues to go strong and will last at least as long as star trek enterprise at this point yeah because next year we will be celebrating the fifth anniversary of discovery like i oh wow it, i just can't <laughs> believe we're like i know we're still a year away but it, it's just amazing to me it's it does not feel that long to me well, we uh, do have another news story kind of related to Discovery. Uh, I'm curious, Bruce, do you listen to Star Trek The Pod Directive, the official Star Trek podcast hosted by Tawny Newsom and Paul F. Tompkins? I do, except I'm behind. I'm behind a couple episodes. I'm listening to the one right now where Anson Mount is on. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, a more recent one, and, and not the most recent one, but from a couple episodes ago, they had Michelle Yeoh on the show talking about her role as Emperor Georgiou and her relationship with Star Trek. And she had some interesting comments, kind of interesting both for what she says and for what she doesn't say in this interview. And Paul F. Tompkins asked, he really wants to know and knows she can't say much, but really wanted to know what happened next for Georgiou after going through the Guardian of Forever. And I know this is a question that you're really excited about as well. You've brought up a few times that you really, really want to see where she ends up. And Giorgio talked a bit about it, saying that, you know, CBS isn't done with Giorgio and there's more for her to come, which is good. You know, I'm glad that they have plans for that storyline and that sort of thing. But what was conspicuously absent from any discussion was a mention of Star Trek Section 31, this series that was planned to be the next one to premiere after Picard, but has kind of been pushed a bit to the back burner with Strange New Worlds and the other shows coming out in the meantime. So I don't know. What do you make of that, Bruce, that there was just no mention whatsoever of the Section 31 project here? Do you read a lot into that or is am I just being a little bit too paranoid about that? Um, no, I'm reading into it. I'm reading into it now. Uh, and I did read into it when I heard this because why would you not mention a series that has already been announced, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if it's been announced, then why wouldn't you just say, especially those on the podcast that are interviewing her, say, so we're going to be, you know, there's still plans, I guess, for a Section 31 show. Obviously, she can't talk about it, right? And and maybe it's still in the plans and in the works and they don't want to bring it up because there's really nothing they can ask her to say anything about it. I don't know. But it tells me, that they're either retooling that idea of a series, and maybe it won't be a Section 31 series, maybe it's some other series, but it involves Section 31 in her character, so it's not quite what it was originally planned to be, or they have scrapped that idea and have talked to Michelle Yeoh about coming back on to maybe Strange New Worlds and involving her character in that series in some capacity in Section 31, or somehow bringing her back to Discovery, but I don't think they'll do that. But it wouldn't surprise me if for some reason they scrapped the whole idea and they're bringing her back for like a season two storyline or something within Strange New Worlds. I think for me, the biggest takeaway is the good news that there's still something planned. And I feel like the Section 31 thing really suffered from them announcing it way too early or bringing it up way too early before they had everything kind of set in stone. And, 
you're right. A lot of could a lot of this could have changed. They could have completely retooled the concept or maybe shuffled it into something else entirely. And uh, it, it's really too bad because they kind of built up this anticipation for what this series they talked about was going to be. And whether or not that comes to pass, it's been quite a while now and it is not actively in production because of comments that they've made that it won't be released until one of the current series kind of runs its course, right? Or anything new won't really come out till one of those series is done. So uh, I think it's really too bad that they kind of blew the whistle on it so early, I guess. And now we're kind of going, well, what's going on with this? But that's the problem. That's why I just take these things with a grain of salt. I mean, it, and I always say, and you hear me say it all the time, I'm not, I'm not bought in and confident something's going to happen until they say the word actions on a set. Or action, not actions. <laughs> actions! Everybody's actions! Action on the set. But so... Yeah, we heard of a con series. We heard of a Starfleet Academy series. Those things don't seem to be happening. We've heard the Section 31 series. And we've heard that there's some other unannounced planned series that, again, maybe they scrapped the idea of a Section 31 series and this whole new series that is not nothing has been told to us about could involve her character in it but just not in the same concept they originally had. I remember an interview, and I don't know who it was with, if maybe it was Kurtzman or something, saying a year or so ago when they were talking Section 31 series that you know they have Michelle Yeoh. She loves being involved in this franchise. Why not do something with her? Like, let's use her as an asset. So I think the whole thing is they want to use her for something, and they're still figuring it out. I think that's the case for sure. I wonder, and I mean, you know, we're not going to get any kind of definitive answer to this in a guest spot on a podcast or anything like that. They're not going to reveal that. But I do wonder if they are rejiggering a concept or, or doing something different, how far along in that they are. Like, are there right. are there definite story ideas or is it just we definitely want to do something with Michelle Yeoh, but we're not sure what it is yet to be continued kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, and it and it very much could be that Section Thirty One, the TV series, is still in the plans. They just it they just haven't done anything with it yet, and so maybe that's why they're like, well, you can't talk about it because we're not even sure if it's going to happen. We still want to make it happen, but there's nothing nothing's been signed off on. Again, as with the previous story, we'll keep an eye on this, and any kind of whispers or hints that we hear, we'll report here on the podcast with the grain of salt that there are rumors, of course. I have an idea, though. I have to know where she landed, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we were, That's how we started this whole thing. But I have an idea that I never thought of. Maybe Giorgio transports through the Guardian of Forever and ends up as an animated Giorgio on Lower Decks. I love it. I want everyone to show up on Lower Decks at some point. You know, I want to see everyone in that animation style. And of course, I want to see the Lower Decks characters show up in live action at some point. So, I mean, the actors look enough like their characters. I think that could be done. Yes, (laughs) yes. And, you know, she can easily show up on Deep Space Nine. You just animate Deep Space Nine. We briefly saw it on Lower Decks. Mm -hmm. And she marries Quark. And they live happily ever after. I wonder if, and, and spoilers for the post Deep Space Nine series Trek books, but I wonder which would be the stranger relationship, Giorgio and Quark getting together or Quark and Rolaren getting together like they did in those books. I, I know a lot of people who are still like really weirded out by that decision. <laughs> it is a little weird, but hey, 
hey, love is love. Absolutely. Well, I don't know if they really loved each other. I mean, anyway, <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> we'll talk about those in an upcoming book club episode <laughs> probably at some point. So. Yes. <laughs> Well, uh, the last thing that uh, I kind of had here as a bit of a discussion topic, everyone knows or should know, hopefully, if, uh, you know, you have a mother that uh, deserves some attention and gifts, this coming weekend is Mother's Day. We have Mother's Day coming up on May 8th. So I hope everyone out there has has purchased their Star Trek memorabilia for their Star Trek fan mothers (laughs) and all of that sort of thing. But I wanted to have a brief discussion about motherhood and mothers in Star Trek. And I apologize, Bruce, I didn't give you warning about this discussion. I kind of came up with it late last night while I was like, oh, what are we going to talk about tomorrow on the podcast? But uh, I like the idea of the best mothers in Star Trek because there have been a lot of mothers that have shown up in Star Trek, some more prominent than others, but you know, it's, it's a topic that they've tackled from time and time again. So I don't know, what are some of the, the mothers in Star Trek that pop out to you as, as memorable over the course of the 50 plus years of Star Trek? Wow. That's such a great question. (laughs) Um, I, I mean, I would say Amanda Spock's mom only because, I mean, really, if you think about it, I guess she is the longest running Star Trek mom we got, right? I think so, yeah. Earliest we've seen and the most recent we've seen both, I think. And I think I really point out her because not just what we saw in the original series, but I think about her when I think of The Voyage Home and her dialogue Mm -hmm. with Spock. I love that scene. How do you feel that whole scene? I love that scene. And then, of course, I've like, and of course, even in the animated series, I really enjoy her character in that. And then, of course, now in Discovery. So... Yeah, we've had a lot of her, and I really enjoyed the character in Discovery and her her whole relationship with not just Spock, but Michael Burnham. So we've seen her with Spock and Burnham, but we've never seen her with Cybok. I want to see that episode. Yeah, I'm I'm still kind of curious about Cybok. I'm generally happy to leave most of Star Trek V just, yeah, that's fine, over, over there. But I am kind of curious to see Cybok in this universe. Amanda is an interesting character as well because she's been played by three different actors in live action now with Jane Wyatt in the original series, Winona Ryder in the Star Trek Kelvin timeline as well. We didn't really talk about her in that. She she kind of doesn't last very long in that. but And of course being played by Mia Kirshner in Discovery. So... Yeah, definitely one who's made her mark on the Star Trek universe. And I did put together a little list of Star Trek moms, and she is at the top. She does kind of float to the top as a very memorable mother. And you forgot the actress who played her in Star Trek V giving birth to Spock. She did all that, ah, birthing him. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't really count. She didn't get a credit. (laughs) Well, I, I think the second mom that kind of floats to the top for me is... One that we saw quite frequently, played by the first lady of Star Trek, Majel Barrett herself, Luxana Troy, mother of Deanna Troy, uh, who tended to show up usually about once per season in Star Trek The Next Generation, and uh, a couple times on Deep Space Nine as well, I should say. But yeah, she's definitely, you know, lover or hater, she was a mom who cared deeply for her daughter, and that love really showed when she 
showed up and tried to insinuate herself and meddle in Deanna's life and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, you know, one mother's meddling is another person's showing of affection and love. So I think she deserves a place on the list. She's the most fun mom that I've enjoyed. You know, I don't, I wouldn't want her as a mom, but uh, she's definitely fun to watch on screen. She's kind of a good, crazy aunt, you know, like I think a lot of people have an aunt or some relative like that, right? Yeah, but you know what I really do like about her character is you're saying like, you know, she's crazy, like a crazy aunt. And I agree with that. I don't, I wouldn't want her to be a, like a mom for me, but, um, or even a mother-in-law <laughs> for me. But the one thing I would say about that is she was written really well in some episodes. I mean, there's times she's very grounded and you see the mother and the caring in her. There's some really good scenes of her as just as a person. Yeah, I think for me, what rises to the top is her part in the TNG episode Half a Life, where the uh, the Dr. Timison guy is uh, having to go home to commit ritual suicide because he's re yes. reached a certain age and uh, very emotional, very heavy episode, but very well played by Majel Barrett. And the other one for me is Dark Page, where we learn about Deanna's uh, older sister who died at a very young age, Kestra Troy. And that whole storyline and, and Waxana kind of dealing with that grief by pretending she never existed and, and shoving it away and, and repressing those emotions. That was a really sad episode and incredible acting by Majel Barrett. Yeah, those are two really good episodes. Those, yeah, those are incredible uh, for the character of Waxana Troy. The one also that comes to my mind, and it's not quite as serious, but when she's helping, you know, watching Alexander. I, I kind of mm. like those because that's where she felt a lot like a mom to me, more to Alexander than she is to Deanna. Yeah, actually. And it's funny. That's kind of the episode that popped into my head when I was thinking of her as like that uh, carefree wild aunt who yeah. kind of lets you get away with stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I like her. Um, but there is a mom on TNG that I never really cared for as a mom. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yes. Beverly Crusher just oh, has yeah. never really worked for me. I Like, I never really cared for her scenes with Wesley as a mom. There's a few mm -hmm. that I thought, you know, that I, that were okay, but others I'm just like, I don't know. She just doesn't feel right to me as a I, I, that. Okay, that's not how I want to say it. <laughs> like, she doesn't feel right to me as a mom. I'm not saying she's a bad mom. I'm just saying I just, what, I never really got that feeling of nurturing, uh, mother nurturing type of feeling from her, uh, from the character. Mm -hmm. I felt like she was more like a mentor in a lot of ways to Wesley, you know, yeah. until he has to leave somewhere. And then she's like, Jean-Luc, I'm going to miss him. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny you bring that up because I seem to remember that being a bit of a complaint that Gates McFadden herself had with how their relationship was shown on screen. And I... I can't remember the source for this, but I remember she had been saying something like, you know, Riker and Picard and all of them are more of a mentor figure and more of a nurturing figure for Wesley than I ever really got the chance to be on the show. So, yeah. you know, I think you're in good company. I think the, the actor Gates McFadden actually has that same opinion as well. So yeah, I think you have a good point. Yeah. And it's not criticizing her acting. I, mm -hmm, I think it no. is. I think it's how it was written. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of other moms, of course. I guess recently from Star Trek Discovery, we can count Gabrielle Burnham, 
who and and spoilers for season three hopefully you're all caught up on uh star trek discovery but she showed up in season two she was the one of the red angels of course and i think it was a nice surprise when she showed up in season three as a member of the Coat milat in the 32nd century and uh, helped burn him out in that episode as well so not a mum we've seen a lot of just a kind of couple episodes but one who's had a kind of big impact on Burnham's life and continues to do so even a thousand years in the future. Yeah, I, I get the sense that, you know, she's close, of course, with her daughter, but there's just so much weight in this, these episodes with her and everything that's going on that you do feel the mother-daughter relationship between the two of them. And also that it feels like she's one to really challenge Michael, you know, really get her to bring herself out and bring herself forward. I think she helps to make Michael who she is on top of, you know, Michael being raised by Sarek and Amanda. Yeah. You know, we haven't really seen her just like be just the mom, you know, there's mm -hmm. so much other stuff going on. And of course her kind of surrogate because Michael lost her biological family at a very early age. So she didn't get a lot of that time with her. Her surrogate turns out to be Philippa Giorgio, who the Prime Universe version, we don't really get a lot of either, but we know of kind of the impact that she's had on Burnham's life. So, yeah, kind of shared motherly duties there. <laughs> well, you know, that's also something that just occurred to me when you said that is sometimes we assume certain things about our characters when we really don't know all the details. And so I'm not talking about Mir Giorgio so much, but just Giorgio in the Prime Universe, too. How do we know she didn't have children? We were never told that she did or didn't. She could be a mom for all we know. There's other characters that could be, you know, moms or fathers that we don't know of. And so it, it goes back to the, the whole thing about Discovery. It's like Burnham couldn't be Spock's sister because Spock never said he had a sister. Well, okay, but just because you never heard him say it doesn't mean he does. Like, we don't know all the details of these people's pasts and their families. I mean, these people I work with. That probably couldn't tell you if I have a brother or a sister or any siblings. Yeah, that's a good point for sure. It's one of those things that like we don't know until some writer comes along and decides that it's a good idea for a script for, you know, this character to have this family relationship or this background or this traumatic event that happened to them 20 years ago or something like that. Right. So, yeah, it's an evolving thing. You know, these characters aren't fully formed. We learn a little bit more about them as we go on. So even in the course of the evolution of a series, we see these changes happen. I don't have her on this list, but it just occurs to me we have mothers who become mothers as the series go, goes on. So Bolana Torres is one, I think, that has a couple of really good episodes dedicated to her motherhood. Uh, one of my favorites is Lineage, where she, she's still pregnant. She doesn't have the baby until the final episode of Voyager, but she sees a representation of what her child will look like. And she's kind of horrified that she has the Klingon ridges because that's a part of her heritage that she's kind of tried to distance herself from. And it's this incredible episode that includes flashbacks to her time as a child being bullied or being perceived to be made fun of for how she acts like a Klingon and thinking that she's the reason her father left her mother because she's too Klingon and all of that wrapped up in those feelings and her attempts to kind of take that DNA out of her daughter's genome and then realization by the end of the episode 
that this is all part of who she is and, and she shouldn't mess with that. And just an incredible episode. I really, really, really love that episode. Yeah, I do too. And I like how her character is portrayed then later in the Voyager novels in dealing with raising her daughter and all the things that she's doing to protect her daughter from all the ongoing things that are happening. And same with Cassidy Yates with their daughter, Rebecca in the books, the same type Mm -hmm. of situation of her stepping up and being there for her daughter, you know, to be a good mom, doesn't mean you have to sacrifice everything else that you do and put your children first in front of you for everything. But that's some of the aspects of a being a parent, you know, and just when you see certain characters, step up and just like, you know, I'll do anything to help and protect my child. You know, that's a good feeling that you get from someone who's a parent. Like they obviously care and they're going to do anything to do anything. They'll do anything, whatever to protect them. And uh, it's funny. One, one thing you said there that just jumped out was that, you know, mothers don't necessarily sacrifice their entire lives and everything they are for their children. They have their own things as well. And I think a great, illustration of that is one of my favorite moms in Star Trek and not a favorite when she was first introduced, but I grew to love her as the series went on. And that's Ishka or Moogie (laughs) to Quark and Rom. And like, she was the embodiment of the strong independent mother, right? She loved Quark and Rom, but at the same time, she struck out on her own to earn profit and strike a blow for uh, female Ferengi rights on Ferenginar. I, I think uh, she's a fun character. Played in her first appearance by Andrea Martin and then later played by Cecily Adams. I love that first appearance. Her her performance in that is so great. And uh, facing off against Brunt and pretending to be all submissive and, you know, signing the document and stuff and then just being all independent as soon as he leaves throwing on clothes and being like, ah, screw that guy. I just, I love her. I think she's terrific. Yeah. And my favorite thing is just that her name is Moogie, you know, I like the Moogie. (laughs) I mean, it's such a great, you know, term to use for, uh, Rom when he's like missing his Moogie. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder who came up with that term. It's so perfect. And, and Max Grudenchek as Rom, just says it perfectly. Moogie. I love it. I love it. It's I so swear, good. if I ever see him at a convention, I'm just going to walk him in. Moogie. <laughs> probably go, yeah, like I haven't heard that before. But, uh, you know, I want to have a happy Moogie's day. You know, we yeah. need to do that more in the Star Trek fan community. Happy Moogie day. Another mom, I want to make sure that I don't leave off here because I think she gets unfairly maligned a lot. I think there's a lot of really unfair judgment of this character. I really like her. I'm a big fan of Keiko O'Brien. I'm going to say it. I'm putting it out there. I love Keiko O'Brien. I think she's a terrific character. I think the depiction of her marriage with Chief O'Brien is one of the most realistic depictions of a close family relationship on Star Trek, you know, they have their ups, they have their downs, but you can really tell the love between the two of them and just the kind of shorthand they have. I really, really buy them as a married couple. Keiko was never one of these characters that I loved or hated. I was just, you know, she's this reoccurring character and I was perfectly fine with her. And I like, mm-hmm. you know, the marriage between her and Miles. 
it wasn't until I really started to get more and more involved in the fan community that I thought, wow, a lot of people don't like Keiko. And I'm like, yeah. then I started to see some things why they had an issue with her. But I mean, I think she's a great mother to Miles. I think she raises him well <laughs> and she disciplines him well. <laughs> but no, no, I, yeah, I think uh, she's probably, I don't know. I mean, she just, yeah, she's she's a mom and a wife and a teacher and whatever else that she does and stuff. And she just seems to always do it well. I guess, you know, mm-hmm. I, I guess she's a great mother and a great wife because she's a good mom to Molly and Kira Yoshi. But as far as her relationship with Miles goes, and I guess that's kind of more what I'm focusing on, even though this is a Mother's Day thing. There, there's one scene and I can't remember the exact episode. It might have been Accession in, in season four where Miles has been kind of uh, depressed a little bit and, and wanting to hang out with Bashir, but Keiko's home. So he's got to spend time with her. And there's the scene right near the end of the episode where she's like, you know, Miles, I talked to Bashir and he seems really down. I think you should talk to him and, and see what's going on. It's like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe I'll do that. And he like runs out of the quarters and she just smiles and activates the intercom and says, Keiko to Dr. Bashir. Hey, Miles has been feeling a little down lately. <laughs> like she's just... She's so loving. I love that scene. That's so great. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking about the relationship that Miles has with Julian Bashir and why this works really well for the Keiko character because the Miles character, especially in Deep Space Nine, is portrayed socially as being like a a, a big boy, you know, when, when it comes to Bashir. <laughs> like they're just a bunch yeah. of boys together. And it's like, that's why I kind of made the joke of her mothering him because he's acting like a child sometimes like go play i know you want to go play with your little friends go you know go do that (laughs) (laughs) i love it but yeah i i guess maybe i'm a little overcompensating against the amount of hate that i see out there for keiko o'brien i'm kind of more like you like i've just always appreciated the character she's fine but i feel like i really have to make a stand and put it out there i think keiko o'brien is an awesome character mostly to counter all of the negativity against her I see out there. So yeah, three cheers for Keiko O'Brien. Great Star Trek mom. Are there any other Star Trek moms that for you really stand out that you want to mention? And I'll, I'll kind of rattle off any that we didn't really focus on at the end because there's quite a few, but as far as standouts go. I think Helena Roshenko stands out to me. Hmm. Yeah. Because I think out of all the moms that have been on Star Trek, and there's been many, I think she's the one that reminds me more like of my mom. (laughs) Because when she comes to the Enterprise and the episode family, and it's you know, and and the dad, you know, kind of reminds me of you know how my parents could be too. But just that, like, oh look at you, I'm so proud, and are you eating well? And oh my gosh, you know, you know, how are you feeling? And oh, I want to meet everybody, and you know, it's just like that's how my mom is. That's awesome. Yeah, she's great, and I think it needs to be said also. Not only was she a mom to Worf, but she also she and her husband also took in Alexander for a number of years, and and did that as well. So you know, real example of a self-sacrificing mom who would kind of do anything for her child. And she does stand up for herself, though, when in season five, she brings Alexander to the Enterprise and says, we're getting too old. We can't do this anymore. You need to take responsibility for your son. So she kind of steps up and makes Worf realize his duties. And even though Worf doesn't really... (laughs) 
do a great job. And that's, that's a topic for a whole nother episode. We'll revisit this on father's day, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I have a feeling we, yeah, we definitely going to hit that up on father's day for sure. There, you know, <laughs> you put a whole list together and I had to sit here thinking like, can I think of any moms that you didn't get? And I did think of one and that is Q. Oh, yes. The actor represented by someone else on this list, because I've got Kaylor on, yeah, Kaylar right. on here. Yes. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't really think of her all that often, you know, <laughs> and I, I don't know if any Q could be a really great mom. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> ah, that's a good point. But yeah, Susie Plaxon, I've got her on here as Kaylar, but also played the female Q in Star Trek Voyager. A uh, great, great actor. I love Susie Plaxon. Uh, and Kalar, you know, we don't see her much as a mother. She shows up with Alexander and then sadly uh, is killed in that same episode. But uh, another, you know, mom that exists in Star Trek, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I felt like she was a good mom to Alexander in the few scenes that we did see. Yeah, I felt like she kind of had this motherly presence with him, which was which was interesting for sure. I need to rewatch those kind of middle season TNG episodes. It's been quite a while. Yeah, I haven't watched those in a while either. But uh, I also looking at your list. I'm having fun looking at your list right here. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Horda, I thought was an interesting call. I like that. Yeah. One. Yeah, a very, a very strong mother figure, I think, in Star Trek, you know, kind of safeguarding that whole next generation of Horda and kind of defending them against these miners that she sees as destructive and stuff. I think she's an important mother in the Star Trek universe, a mother to a whole new generation of, of her species, I guess. Yeah, because that episode really is focused on motherhood. Really, by the mm. time you finish watching it, it's pretty much what it is, protecting her young. So The Devil in the Dark is going to be your mother's day star trek viewing then on moogie day yeah <laughs> i love it uh, speaking of a mother for a whole new generation of a species i really want to call out gracie of george and gracie the two whales in star trek 4 you know she's pregnant and she she starts a whole new iteration of the species of humpback whale supposedly on earth in the 23rd century after kirk and crew bring her and george forward uh in time but yeah, no, lots of Star Trek moms, ones that we haven't mentioned. Carol Marcus, uh, Teles, who's T'Pol's mom. Uh, we have Jennifer Sisko, Winona Kirk, we saw briefly in the Star Trek 2009 film. Kira Norris, a surrogate mom. Uh, and Samantha Wildman, um, Naomi Wildman's mother on Star Trek Voyager. And I would even throw in, I didn't put this on the list, but I'd say Catherine Janeway, you know, non-biological mother, but kind of set up metaphorically as a mother in Star Trek Voyager to her crew. Oh, I thought you were going to say the salamanders. Oh, that too. Yes. Sorry. You're absolutely right. Yes. The salamanders <laughs> and threshold. How could I forget? <laughs> but uh, yeah, as Q says, you've kind of been a mommy to this crew. Uh, it's a little condescending, but I get the sentiment. Honestly, I did think about that earlier, and I don't like thinking that in some ways, because it's like if on Father's Day, we're going to sit here saying, you know, Kirk was like a father to his crew. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Archer was a father to his crew, too. 
Yeah, it does sound a little bit, like I said, condescending yeah. maybe. But that said, there's a really great video out there about how Picard is a really great space dad. I think you could go both ways, but I, I do see your point. Absolutely. I can see that though. I, I think it just, yeah, it depends, especially, you know, how that person relates to the crew. And, and Janeway's situation was a little different. I mean, to your point, I mean, I think, I don't know if she ever said she had to be a mother to the crew. I don't recall if she said that, but she's kind of indicated that because their situation was that they're out on their own and they may, may not ever get back to home. So she's going to have to have a different relationship with her crew than if they mm-hmm. were still in the alpha quadrant. So she does have to be more than just the captain. You know, she's leading this community and she's helping to raise this community that could be stuck in the Delta quadrant for 70 years. Yeah, it's it's a metaphorical thing. I don't I don't think mothers necessarily need to be biological mothers. You know, the the writers did go for that metaphor a little bit, I think not really explicitly stated but kind of implied. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It, that, that's a, I, I'm curious. I, I think you can fall on either side of the argument. Yeah, I think so too. I just remember when that series premiered, I heard a Star Trek fan, I guess I read it online at the time in what, you know, the forums, because we didn't have, you know, social media. But <laughs> I remember someone saying, I don't watch Voyager. Why would I watch the show? Do I really want to see a captain that reminds me of my mom? Oh. I know that always like stuck in my head. Like, really? You look at her to be like your mom and you, well, wait, do you have a problem with your mom being a captain? <laughs> you <know>? Right? <laughs> yeah. I'd love to watch a show where somebody reminded me of my mom. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I miss my mom. I, I want a Moogie series. <laughs> there you go. I love it. <laughs> well, I, I wanted to kind of leave off on this topic with uh, mentioning my own mother who is actually the person who introduced me to Star Trek. So I would say is probably the reason I'm sitting here today doing this podcast with you and and talking to you all out there. So thank you, Mom, and happy Mother's Day. I love you very, very much. And uh, thank you for everything you've done for me and continue to do for me. And I just want to say, now that you've done that, you know, I have to follow up. I just also want to say happy Mother's Day to Dan's mom for introducing him to Star Trek. (laughs) But also, yes, my mom did not introduce me to Star Trek, but she introduced me to the world. So I wouldn't be here on the show had she not, you know, popped me out. Um, So here I am. But I love my mom. She's great. And I talk to her often and see her and my dad often. So happy Mother's Day to her. She's probably not listening. But if one day she is, just know that, you know, you're everything to me and that I love you. Well, before we go, uh, I did mean to mention this earlier in the news segment, but I did kind of uh, forget to, to mention we do have a couple of new products coming out this week in the Star Trek universe. Uh, there's a new book hitting shelves today if you're listening to this the day that it drops. We have a new book by Hero Collector called The Borg and Delta Quadrant Akrotirian to Krenum. This is one of their shipyards books talking about all the ships in that category. So the press release says, Resistance will be futile when the Borg and the Delta Quadrant Akrotirian to Krenum assimilates readers on May 4th. The Borg and Delta Quadrant Akrotirian to Krenum is the fifth entry in Hero Collector's popular series of Star Trek Shipyards books and is the first of two companion volumes featuring ships from Star Trek Voyager. So there will be a second one, Lidosian to Zal, that comes later in the year. Uh, But for now, uh, we've got half of the ships in Star Trek Voyager. So, yeah, 
Uh, I hope to be getting our hands on a couple of copies of this, and maybe we can talk about that in a future episode, but uh, looking forward to taking a look at that for sure. Ooh, yeah, I wouldn't mind doing that. I love looking <laughs> at the ships. They're so cool. Yeah, that's fun. You know, we, we, we love the stories and the big ideas and that kind of thing, but sometimes you just want to look at some cool ships. Exactly. But then we also have a comic kind of, sort of, coming out. And Dan, you and I haven't talked about this. So from what I know, and tell me if you know something different, but I did get an email from IDW. Apparently, Star Trek Year 5, number 20, which was supposed to be released a few weeks ago, is being released this week. Now, I had previously mentioned on an episode that, hey, it's coming out now, but it was delayed for whatever reason. And now issue number 21, according to the IDW website, says it's coming out in June. And then I guess issue 22 will follow that in July. Oh, wow. So now I'm mad at Memory Alpha because I based my notes on their page, which says that issue 22 is coming out on Wednesday, May 5th. So there are all kinds of messed up over at IDW and Memory Alpha. Yeah, well, Memory Alpha is probably not up to date, and that probably was the original date, but when I saw your notes, I'm glad it was there because I did want to mention that because, like I said in a previous episode, I remember saying, hey, issue 20 is coming out this week. Well, for whatever reason, it was delayed, so it's a, so it's supposed to be out this week as of May 5th. All right. Well, we will be talking about the issues of Star Trek Year 5, both the the actual issues and the issues with their publication uh, in an upcoming episode of the Star Trek Book Club. Not sure exactly which episode yet, but we'll be talking about the omnibus that collects uh, the last few issues. Yeah. And just to clarify something, I think that the digital version of number 20 is available right now. I think you can get that now. But the physical copy will not be available in comic stores until this week. Hmm. Well, hopefully they get those issues sorted. And I am on the IDW website. So right now it says coming soon for issue number 20. So I can't get the digital copy as of today, May 1st, when we're recording. But yeah, if it's not available now, it will be very, very soon. I've, I've personally been really enjoying the Star Trek Year 5 stories. So uh, they're kind of heading towards their conclusion now. And uh, really curious to see how they wrap everything up because it's been been a fun ride so far. I hear there's going to be a big epilogue at the end of the series. Ooh, I'm excited. Well, Bruce, when we're not talking about the issues with IDW's Year 5 issues, where can we find you online? Oh, you know, all those other places I've mentioned before. You know, I'm on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. And I'm on Instagram at just Admiral Rex, no underscore. And then where else am I? Star Wars Report Podcast. I'm on there occasionally. I don't know what's going on. There hasn't been a new, like the episodes are coming out fewer and fewer. I got to find out why that's happening. And then I'm occasionally been guest on Literary Treks doing some other, you know, Star Trek books. So that's where you can find me, including our Goodreads group. I want to call a shout out there. Metamorphosis. We have a thread in there talking about that book that was on our last book club. So join us in there. You can find me at Kurtrats on Twitter, K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. You can also find me on youtube.com slash Kurtrats Productions, making videos all about Star Trek and other science fiction stuff. And yeah, the Positively Trek discussion group is my favorite hangout online. Go on Facebook, search for Positively Trek discussion group. We will let you in. Just make sure you say that, yes, you will follow the rules and you can reach out to us, positivelytrek at gmail.com. 
you can support us on Patreon. Any level or not, this podcast will always be free. So if you find yourself not able to support us financially, that's totally okay. But uh, if you do want to support us, you get early access to episodes most weeks and uh, hopefully some bonus content. We're going to have to try and come up with some kind of bonus content for everyone. I'm looking forward to that. I have some kind of cool ideas. And thank you, of course, to our associate producer, William Smith, for all of your help in bringing these episodes to you. We will see you all in our next episode. Until then, as always, stay positive. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.